Cultivate Simple, episode 52, Budget and Savings. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountainsides I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking Welcome to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. This is episode 52, and today we are talking about budget and savings. In episodes past, uh, episode 3 which is a long time ago, Uh, we talked to Andrew Odom, uh, our buddy Andrew, a little bit about um, debt. And in that, we talked a bit about budgeting, and I think we've sprinkled it throughout a few episodes, but we've never really had a uh, fully dedicated, dedicated, trying to get designated in there somehow, dedicated episode to uh, budgeting and to talking about savings. And so we'd like... We get a lot of requests for it. Yeah, we do. And I, it's one of those things that's, I don't know, I feel like it's a a bit personalized or I feel like it it could be more of like a personalized topic. Like there, there's a, a budget to fit every person. And so you really need to, we've talked about this before, you know, how... Mm -hmm. Budgets are not the be-all, end-all answer. Really, it's the attitude towards right. money and towards spending that is yep. the the key to uh, right. financial independence or paying off debt or whatever else. Budgets are just a good tool mm-hmm. for certain people. Some people don't do well with them, but... Yeah. I, th- I think for me, when you put us on a budget, and I can kind of share that story because I make it sound like, you know, you were this slave driver, but <laughs> wrapping mean, you on the knuckles with my <laughs> ruler. <laughs> with your with your with your ruler and your calculator saying, Hey, we don't have all this money to do all that. Um yeah. But and I can share a little bit about my my upbringing, which I've again I've sprinkled throughout the podcast before as far as money concerns. Uh and then talk about because I really think that the budget was what opened my eyes to um, how much we did spend and how much we could spend. And I I can remember still when you first put us on the budget and our entertainment budget was what, like $5 a month? Six, I think. $6 a month. (laughs) That was our entire entertainment budget. And entertainment included... We weren't making that much money back then. No. Entertainment included movies, uh, going out to eat, yep. um, everything. So and that was 15 years ago. Yeah. So our entertainment basically was every once in a while going and getting an ice cream cone, or yeah. every once in a while we would we could pretty much after that's three. Probably why we always used to share meals places. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I bet it is. Besides the portions, for some reason Lucy decided to get in on the podcast. Yeah, cameo, the chiot. That's enough. It's like she just woke up. What she heard. I don't know. Probably just the cats rustling around in the paper outside. Yeah. Or in the paper by the, uh, no, the fire. No, she's old. I think she paper. just barks randomly to make herself 
Yeah. She's like, hey, I'm still valuable. She's still useful. I can still do stuff. Uh, So we're going to be talking about budgets a little bit later in the show. But first, we wanted to thank uh, Alexandria Cookson uh, because she gave a $50 donation, which came in uh, just before we started recording the podcast. So it was a nice way to... uh, Nice way to kick off the podcast. Um, actually, you know, about an hour before. But she sent While us we were a, preparing. a note, too, um, which I wanted to read. She said, uh, Susie and Brian just wanted to send you a quick note to let you know that I finally got around to sending you a much-deserved donation to support the podcast and blog. I can only imagine how much work uh, you both put into this, and I wanted you to know that it's all very much appreciated. Um, she says, my great grandfather was born in unity, which is right up the road from us. Um, and I have family history dotted throughout mid coast, Maine. I finally made it up there in September of 2013 and fell in love. She probably drove and right by her house. why didn't you stop in? <laughs> um, the people, the sights, the strong sense of community, everything. It felt like home. And when I left, I left a bit of me there. So your podcast and blog allows me to have a small window into the daily goings-on in Maine. Um, I am trying so very much to simplify my life. I am an avid gardener and a journeyman from scratch cook. Um, (laughs) All of your insights and ideas have been terrific. Keep them coming. Wishing you and all the critters at Chiotes Run a wonderful holiday season. I'm looking forward to the long dark nights of winter and curling up and enjoying your weekly podcast. And then she said, um, she gave a suggestion about an, uh, show topic for January about mm-hmm. you going through, um, kind of your seed catalog, gardening catalogs for 2014 mm-hmm. and how you make decisions, what you've planted in the past and what you're going to plant in the future, which is pretty good. That's a good, good idea. It is a uh, good idea. Uh, we, we feel like we're running short on ideas of things to talk about. So any suggestions you guys have for shows yeah. would I be... I want to do one on chickens. Everybody keeps wanting us to do one on chickens, and I suppose we should just do it. Um, you know, it's one of those topics I don't feel like I'm really... We only know what we've stumbled... talking about, although I've... Stumbled I'm, through. I've read, you know, just about every chicken book I can get my hands on. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I suppose we could do one on that. You know, it was, I just feel like it's the blind leading the blind sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. We went to uh, Joan's house, our friend, which we mention often on the podcast, and um, she she mentioned your picture that you posted on Facebook this week, where you showed our nesting boxes, and it was just full of eggs. Yeah. Um, because she said her chickens, are, she's getting one day, one egg every three days. Is that what she yeah. said? And I, I can't remember how many chickens she has. I forget. Like seven or eight, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Um, which she said they're all older and they're all molting. So, yeah. you know. So that's. Yeah, but still, that, everybody that has seen that picture that I've talked to says, geez, I can't believe how many eggs you guys still are still getting. getting. A lot of eggs, yeah. um, and we don't know if it's from the food or if it's just the chickens are in a good mood or, or all of the above. Um, but yeah, we're still getting tons of eggs, even though it's getting cold and the days are getting shorter and all of the of typical excuses for chicken stopping. Yeah. I think Their the food is part of it. I think it they is too. They get really good food and they love the food. Yeah. So Happy chickens. I really do think it's part of it. I've heard lots of good things about we do fermented feed. So I've read one of the reasons I started doing it because I read so many great things and I have other acquaintances who have been doing it 
and have had really great results with it. So that's one reason I started. Seems to be working out really well. So we'll definitely, well, I say definitely. I always say definitely. I always throw a definitely in front of stuff. (laughs) That's one of my other idiosyncrasies that I have. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Well, definitely. Don't I do that all the time? We may or may not. Well, we'll end up talking about chickens at some point Mm -hmm. because they're kind of a big part of the run. Uh, But, yeah. I know we should call it chick run. Yeah. Foul run would be good. Run a foul. Right, yeah. <laughs> run a foul. That would be a great name for this place because we have run a foul quite a number I know, of Joan times. I know, was just saying, I can't wait to get up there and see your, what'd she say? Your she, setup or something like that. Our setup, yeah, our system. System. It's not so much a system, it's just managed chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so thank you, Alexandria, for the wonderful donation. We, uh, we just really, really appreciate it truly. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so by going to the website at cultivatesimple.com or chiotrun.com, looking in the right-hand sidebar, and there's instructions there on how to do that. Either give a monthly, uh, $5, $10 a month donation, or you can give a one-time donation. And like I said, we just, we really appreciate that. It means a lot to us. Uh, so... What's for dinner? What's for dinner? Good leftovers. Ah, but good it's leftovers. Not very, uh, glamorous. But it was leftovers from last night. So what yep. did we have? What did we have leftovers? Last night on? we had homemade pizza. Yep. One of my favorites. And I reverted back to my many, many, many years ago. It's been many. It was probably. 14 Mm -hmm. years ago. We went on a quest. To make the best pizza (laughs) crust ever. Or to discover how to make a really good homemade pizza crust. Because that really is one of the things that differentiates a homemade pizza from one that you get at a pizza shop. I think something about the crust. So we developed this great recipe. It's fantastic. I really should write it down now. Everybody's going to want it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even have it written down though, do you? I don't have it written down. It's just going to... One of those things. I mean, I measure it out and I know what's in it. But the key is, I think, a little bit of saturated fat. Mm. Um, I threw some coconut oil in there. You could throw some lard in there. About a tablespoon of saturated fat, maybe a little bit more. Does wonders for the texture of pizza dough. But anyways, moving on. So the last couple times I've made it, which have been, I don't know, a couple times since we've moved up here. I've tried different recipes from other cookbooks that we have, but just not, you know... Not as good as the old faithful one that we worked many. I mean, we ate a few bad pizzas mm-hmm. before we came across this recipe. Um, I mean, it's hard to have bad pizza. Let's be honest. Right. Uh, I mean, it's just, but you know, it's it's pizza. But then sometimes yeah. it's really good pizza, yeah. and that's the difference, really. Um, so yeah, so I whipped up that dough the day before. I think. Letting your pizza dough sit in the refrigerator overnight. It's called retarding in the baking world. Mm-hmm. Uh, really does a lot as far as bringing out the flavor and the texture in the dough. So I mixed up the dough the previous evening, let it do its first rise, threw it in the refrigerator, and then pulled it out. I don't know, it was about 2 o'clock. Let it warm up to room temperature, and then I usually... Flatten it out about a half hour before we're going to bake our pizzas. I think baking your 
turning your oven on as high as it'll go is also another key to making good pizza at home. I'm eating real pizza ovens bake really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so my oven goes up to 500 degrees. So I throw a pizza stone in there and bake my pizza on that. And that seems to work out really well. But yeah, so we had pizza and it was topped with some of our own red onions, some mushrooms from the grocery store. Some salami from the little local deli down the street. And then some, a couple different kinds of provolone cheese and some fresh mozzarella. Mm -hmm. As well as various herbs and spices. And I use my own, I make roasted tomato passata. That's one of the few things I make in can every year. I use the recipe from the River Cottage Preserves book. And it makes a really good, just all around. It makes a particularly good pizza sauce because it's kind of watery. So you can spread it on Mm -hmm. thin. Um, Yeah. And if you're a good good pizza pie. If you're ever in the Mid Coast Maine area, as Alexandria was, and if you drive down uh, Route 220, you'll come upon Morris's Sauerkraut. Yes. Uh, and that place is a place to stop if you're if you like food in any way. Yeah, um, they've got a great deli, lots of great cheese and mm-hmm. um, various cured meats, that kind of thing. So Lunch that's where meats. we. I stopped in the other day and picked up. A couple different kinds of provolone, yeah, some fresh really mozzarella, and two different kinds of salami. Good, good, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, it, was so, yeah tasty, it was tasty, tasty. Tasty, tasty. And then we had a main root cola. Yes. Along with it. The so. Mex- Mexicola? Is that what it's called? It's called Mexicane, Your Mexicane, yeah. yeah. Because it uses, it's just a regular cola, but it uses uh, sugar cane right. instead of uh, high fructose corn syrup. So this goes nicely with pizza. Yes, it does. So yeah, so we had leftovers tonight. And one trick is to heat up your leftovers in a cast iron skillet. Of course, everybody knows I'm going to say that. But pizza does so much better heated up on a skillet than it does in the stove because it doesn't dry up, dry out as much. And it uses a lot less energy. I usually throw it on a... I have like this flat skillet. But you could use a a a, one, a skillet with sides too and then throw a throw a lid on it and then that heats up the top and melts the cheese on top and mm-hmm. then it helps soften any of the crust that has gotten dry in the previous day's baking but then it crisps up the bottom so you don't end up with too dry pizza it doesn't crisp everything up it's just the best way to heat up leftover pizza it doesn't make your crust soggy or doesn't yep. leave your crust soggy yep yes so, so that was mm. that was uh very good i do like the pizza. um I was going to say something about that, but now I can't remember. So we'll move on to the fail of the week. The fail of the week this week really isn't necessarily, <laughs> uh, we've been saying that the past couple of weeks, isn't really. Um, it's not really a fail. Yeah. So I went out hunting this past, uh, or yesterday. Was that yesterday? Yep. Jeez, that feels like a week ago. Can you believe it's November? It's November. What? happened to september and october um i went out hunting yesterday it was uh, main residence only deer hunting gun season day uh yesterday and <laughs> so yeah i spent the whole day out there and didn't really see much of anything i saw three deer at one point um i decided to after i, I came in for lunch um and then I was going back out and stalking down a trail. And I don't like red squirrels at all because they uh, they started barking and 
you know, alerting all of the woods that I was coming. And then the really annoying thing is they follow you through the trees. So they're not like other animals that see you and run away. They're barking and squawking and they kind of have... Red squirrels are kind of a cross between a squirrel and a chipmunk. So they kind of have this chirping bark. They're not like a, a bark like a gray squirrel or a fox squirrel does. Um, but it's it's almost like a chirping chatter clucking sound. It's very, yeah. very distinct and very odd and very annoying and very loud. Um, at any rate, it alerted and was following me uh, down this trail hopping from tree to tree and so the deer knew i was coming and i was you know probably 50 60 yards away when they popped up and ran and they kind of ran directly around a corner and i couldn't even get my gun up to my shoulder so got blanked on the opening day of deer season which was kind of a disappointment yeah i know it's i know that that's part of the whole hunting that's uh, what i said he said oh I don't even feel like I went hunting today. And I said, isn't that what hunting is? Hunting isn't shooting an animal. It's the actual act of hunting. searching for it. It It so. is. But I, in, in some way, I guess the thing is I value my time. And so I want there to be a dividend for the time spent. I know that that mm-hmm. sounds very, you know, mathematical and it's uh, not. But there is a dividend. Well, there is. you did learn a lot. Yeah, I so. did. And I got to spend a day in the woods, and that was great. And I got mm-hmm. to see a lot of our property, uh, or not, you know, the the, the front half, which is... part of it. <laughs> yeah. Because um, when you're stalking, you're going very slow. So, um, yeah, so I only explored kind of the front little section. But um, I did enjoy it. It's just a... I know, it sounds weird. It's just, I, I know. you know. I know what you mean. I'm just being. No, and it's good. I know, because I don't want to, f- A, sound like, you know, this mighty hunter that can go out and slay anything in no time <laughs> at all. or And, and B, I don't want to sound like, um, I don't want to make hunting sound like it's easy, because it's not easy. Right. And C, I don't want to sound like, a, you know, like selfish, like I'm pouting because i didn't get something yeah um it's just with as many things as need done um i i want to spend my time wisely and when something like that happens especially when it's something that's you know the the circumstance rather than i guess i mean it is something i did because obviously i wasn't stalking stockily enough (laughs) <laughs> or <laughs> it would have, you know, the squirrels wouldn't have been alerting and I wouldn't have, um, the deer's, you know, senses wouldn't have been raised and I wouldn't have been busted before I saw them. But in the same way, it's just, I don't know. I was just, I was just disappointed, I guess, personally in myself and personally in just, you know, sp- uh-huh. spending a day and not having meat for the freezer to show for it. So... So that was the fail of the week. It's interesting. With with hunting, hunting really makes you analyze yourself in some way. It, I mean, all you have is time to think. And so you start to see the different things that you're doing while you're hunting and start to think, why do, why do I do that? Or um, one thing 
one thing that I always do, especially when I'm squirrel hunting, because squirrels are so perfectly camouflaged when it comes to the forest floor, especially the the red squirrels that we have here in Maine. Um, when they fall among the leaves, I mean, it's all you can do to find them. So I always try to make sure that, or I have to make sure, and that's one thing I don't do enough, I should say, um, that when I shoot a red squirrel and it falls out of the tree, I always have to mark visually and take a minute and look and see, okay, where did that go down? Where is it in relation to other trees and in relation to that bush over there and in relation to this and find a specific tree or count how many trees away it is. And I also have to mark where I'm standing right now because half the time I walk out there and I can't find it. So then I have to loop back around to where I started, look again at the tree where I know I shot it from, see where it fell, and then go look for it again. But so many times I just kind of, I do it, and then I go out there, and it's done. You know, Mm -hmm. or I'm looking around, and I'm like, I can't find it, so I have to go back and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about that yesterday, about or not yesterday, but the last time I went squirrel hunting, about, you know, looking where taking a minute and following through because that's you know part of part of shooting too is about follow through um after you fire the shot what do you do and so yeah it's just a the whole follow through thing and and making sure that you the thing itself isn't the end Mm -hmm. you know it's what happens after that's also important Mm -hmm. so that was kind of a lesson that i learned um and yesterday you know, I was thinking about that after those deer got up and ran. It was just kind of a, you know, okay, do I keep going? Because I've been busted and they're busting up through the woods, which is going to alert all the other deer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, I'm probably not going to find them again today. Mm-hmm. And should I switch tactics and kind of loop up around? Because I saw the direction they were running. And in, in the front part of our property, there's a lot of sort of small hills and valleys, hills about, you know, 40, 50 feet high and, and valleys. And so I could have looped around and maybe, you know, uh, cut them off in some way. I don't know. So it's just a, an introspective kind of, mm-hmm. you know, why do you make the decisions you make? Do you make good decisions when you make them? Um, making decisions, the spur of the moment, you know, split second decisions that have large implications. So hunting teaches you a lot about yourself. And like I said, you just, all you have is time to think. So it's, then you have time to dwell on the decisions that mm-hmm. you do make in the the heat of the moment. Uh, so no deer, but well, there are plenty of other days. Um, it's just a matter of trying to fit that in now with, with everything else that we have going this month with basically the punctuation mark at the end of this month is going back to Ohio and mm-hmm. uh, spending a little bit of time with family and um, doing some hunting there, actually. But we have a lot to get done before then. And I feel like, again, that's whenever we take a trip, I feel like it's a uh, a sprint to get everything done so that we yeah. can go on the trip. Yep. And then it's like, oh, well, we have to sprint through the trip so we can get back so that we can continue Doing all the stuff we were doing. Um, So we'll see. 
I will definitely report something if I get something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll see. But now I know where they're, at least where they were bedding down yesterday. And that's where I figured they were, which is on the very front of the property. Um, So we'll see. So that brings us to Around the Run. I got to mark another thing off my list today. Kind of, although sort Jones of. says you yeah. can't mark it off your yeah. list. She, well, and I agree with her. Um, so we talked about the our five things five things uh, podcast, and today I went and rode a horse. Uh, our friend Joan, which we mentioned earlier, um, has two Morgans. They're just beautiful horses. They're smaller horses, which is good because it's not quite yeah. as intimidating. Um, yeah. Horses are one of those things. There are lots of people that just love horses. I don't know. I like cows better. Yeah. Horses just seem kind of flighty to me. Mm-hmm. And they're... I don't know. They're... They're big animals. They're a lot of animal. Yeah. Um, so we went over to Joan's house, and uh, and if you remember, Joan's husband, Dieter, is the one who taught me how to sail. He got me into sailing. So they're just checking off all kinds of yeah. items. He doesn't know how list. to weld, does he? No. no. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we went over there today, and, and Joan showed me how to... Um, how to clean the horses, how to care for them, um, and then how to saddle one up and how to lead it and then uh, how to ride it. So I went for a couple twists around the pasture uh, by myself and the galloping thing still... Trot. It was just or a trot. Trot, trot yeah. Uh, still need to get used to that. That was... It's just different. When the horse is walking, it's one thing. You know, it's just very easy and mm-hmm. you can think about everything. When it starts to trot, you just, uh, you feel a lot less in control. Yeah. Um, you're more trusting the horse at that point or something. I don't know. We we talked about it on the way home and it was just a, I felt like I was spending more time out of the saddle. Like my backside was out of the saddle more than it was in the saddle, <laughs> which made me kind of uncomfortable because... You know, it's just like I said, it's like going over when when you're riding a roller coaster and you go over a hill and you kind of come up out of the seat. Well, that's what it feels like, only it's, you know, constant. Um, so, but yeah, but it was fun. I had a great time. And Joan said next time we go over, um, we can go for a, a trail ride because she has, she has two horses. She just got a second one and, um, and she absolutely loves them. It's really mm-hmm. cool to see her work with the horses and she has such a, neat connection with them. Mm-hmm. Um and they're they're really good horses. Her horse flyer she's had for quite a while. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think. I can't remember. Two she didn't years. have him when we yeah, so about two years, I guess. Um and he's just he's a really, really nice horse. Just really good personality and kind of funny and he has a kind of a twitchy bottom lip, which Joan said isn't isn't really common in horse, but he's just always kind of flipping his bottom lip around, which just makes me think of Mr. Ed, if anybody uh-huh. watched that show. My mom used to watch that on yeah. uh, Nick at Night. But anyway, I like horses. Um, so another thing, was that this past week that we put the baby duck back out? Yep. I was trying to think of that, and I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. last week. I don't think so. Um, Maybe. We may have. Well, you, you all know that Mama Duck had another another little clutch of, well, big clutch baby ducks. of baby ducks. 
Um, two of them weren't doing so well. Yeah. Um, and so we brought both of them in and put them in a box, and we thought both of them were yeah. goners pretty we put much. Them under a heat lamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we thought they were both goners pretty much that day. Yeah, they were um, not looking good. No, they were both laying over on their sides, which is never, nope. you know, when they don't stand, when they don't sit um, properly, then it's just not a good sign. Yep. Um, and one of them did die pretty much right away. Yeah. Um, and the other one kept kind of hanging on, and we, um, you know, we're we're very much firm believers in nature knows best. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when something like that's going on, you don't know how much you want to Step in. Step yeah. in, yeah. Interject in. It's kind of a moral dilemma for me or mm-hmm. philosophical or whatever, you know, because, you know, because, yeah, I believe that things like that happen for a reason. And so you want to provide as much as you can in order to ensure success, but you also don't want to overstep the boundaries. It's kind of like in the movies, if you go back in time and change things that happened in the past, you know, it screws everything up. Mm-hmm. So and you, when you're dealing with animals, and particularly when you're breeding animals, you don't want to keep an animal alive that shouldn't make it through measures and then maybe breed that animal in the future because you don't know what kind of genes you might be passing on to future animals and breeding some sort of weakness in. So um, that's kind of the issue I have with it. Because we are keeping some of these ducks. Uh, now that duck in particular, we're going to watch and definitely will be um, go to freezer camp eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it ends up being a female, because it's not one that we want to keep. Those aren't genes. You know, you want to make sure you keep the most robust uh, ones around. So I don't know. That's kind of, yeah, it's one of those things. I'll step in a little bit, but I'm not doing, I mean, I am a member of a poultry group on Facebook, like a natural herbal poultry group. And sometimes I'm just amazed at some of the things and more power to them. Some of the things that people do to keep their chickens and their ducks and stuff alive. But, you know, I'm, I'm more, and maybe it's because I don't have a flock of just six chickens, you Mm -hmm. know, and I don't, we don't have any, we haven't really had any issues with health problems or anything. And, you know, well, the lady that got attacked by a fox, we put her on the back porch, gave her a little bit of cod liver oil. And kind of waited to see if she would make it through. And she pulled through. But we wouldn't have taken her into the vet to get surgery like I've seen yeah. some people do for yeah. their chickens. So it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's one of those things you have to deal with. And you kind of have to figure out how to, what your stance is going to be. How much mm-hmm. you're going to step in. Um, that kind of thing. Well, So and- we step in and provide a little bit. But try not to go overboard or yeah. what we consider overboard for the goals that we have in the future because but, you don't want to have to you don't want it to become dependent upon the care that you're given right, exactly. either because that's impractical right um so we put it back out with mama after after a couple of days of it being inside and we were feeding it um you know sort of high value food yeah it got uh, scrambled eggs and yeah. yogurt and that kind of stuff yeah so really a little bit of turmeric in its food um garlic in the water just in case it was dealing with some sort of an infection or something um, and stayed under the heat lamp and right so we we kept it in and then we put it back out with mama duck and it was still kind of slow and so we brought it back in for another two days 
Um, I think one day. And then put it back out. And now it seems to be keeping up. It's definitely yeah. smaller than the other ducklings, um, but it's it's definitely keeping up. Um, and that was through... And we'll see how it does the next couple of days because we had a really nice spell of weather this past weekend here in Maine. It was, in fact, like 60 or 65 mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, but tonight it's supposed to dip down, I think, to 27 or 25. 27 or 25, something um, like that. So we'll see how it how it does the next couple of days. Um, I mean, we're hoping it pulls through, obviously, but, you know. Yeah, it's just one of those things, like Susie right. said. I think it has to do with the number of ducklings and her mm-hmm. ability to brood that many, being that it's later in the season and it's colder than it is, say, in the summer. I don't know. That's my guess as to... But it could just be that they didn't fight off some sort of a disease like the other ones did, mm-hmm. you know? You just never know sometimes. And along with the... Yeah ducks and other fowls uh wouldn't you say run a fowl i, I yeah. really think we should change the name of your blog <laughs> and everything to run a fowl uh is uh we integrated the flocks so we did have two and i think we talked about this last week that we were going to do this yeah um we had our new flock of uh layers we had a couple layers that came out of that and we already sent the uh, roosters to the roosters camp. to freezer camp and we had how many five there were five but then one of them got nabbed by a hawk so there yeah. were four layers and our four hens pullets still and a rooster mm-hmm. and so we took them up to the other larger flock um, the established flock this past week and uh, integrated them at night yeah, that's and, my my we can talk about this in the chicken thing how i you know i'm a little less high maintenance about the chickens than yeah. some people are but yeah we put them in there at night and, and they things, wake up and there you go things shake out in the morning <laughs> seems to work out we we got up early the next morning just to check on and make mm-hmm. sure that there were no problems because now there are two roosters in there right which but i'm the, surprised at how well that's gone i thought there would be a little bit of issue fighting, which is normal. I mean, as yeah. long as they're not. It may still happen because that rooster will. is very young. Right. Uh, but that's the way it works. They're, it's led to some funny stories this week about, <laughs> yeah, the young rooster. Uh, Sneaking up and trying to. Trying to give the beans to. Some of the other guys' <laughs> hens. And, <laughs> and him coming around chasing them a off. A bit and, of chasing. And, yeah. It's kind of funny though. Yeah. Nothing outland, nothing out of the ordinary as yeah. far as chickens are concerned. But yeah, it's kind of funny sometimes. Who needs TV when you've got? <laughs> we say that so many times. Exactly. And little ducklings, they're just hilarious. Um. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with them. We're still getting tons of eggs, and everything seems to be going well. The the uh. Keats, the baby guineas, are... Oh, they look like they're about the size of regular guineas now. Yep, they're getting up to size. And uh, tonight we got home late from Jones and uh, Ulysses S. Guinea, our male, because he's got big jowls, so or big chops. <laughs> we call him Ulysses S. Guinea. Um, he was sitting up on top of the, the chicken run with four of the young ones. So 
we just left them out there, which I'm sure they'll be fine. They're just going to yeah. sleep up there and nothing. They try to, to do that sometimes. I usually go up at dusk and throw sticks at them, then get them off, and then they go in the coop. But because I don't like them to get in the habit of roosting outside, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. we can make sure they're not out there tomorrow. Yep. So that's that, and that brings us on to our topic for the evening, which is setting up a budget. Um, as I've mentioned before, my uh, my upbringing was not money conscious or money wise. Um, it was pretty much if you needed money, you got another credit card. That's the way, you know, when I was a child, that's, that's the example that was set for me. And, um, so I never really had an appreciation for money. I pretty much, if I had money in my bank account, that meant I had money to spend. Uh, and that was, that started to get me into trouble when, uh, I was in college because when you're in college, you can get credit cards. And so I started to, uh, you know, I had to, I had to wine and dine you. And so, <laughs> uh, it wasn't just that. Um, but I ended up at the end of college or at the beginning of senior year, I had $3,500 in credit debt, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're a college student and 17 years ago, you're working at, uh, you know, actually senior year, I wasn't working anywhere because I worked as an RA on campus and then at the, the computer lab. So just small jobs making, you know, minimum wage, not, not, uh, socking money away and plus having a year of college to pay for. Um, I, you know, budgets that wasn't even in my vocabulary. I do remember though, in one of our classes, there was a, a guy that came in, mm-hmm. and do you remember his name? Um, um, but he came in, and it was it was a. I know where he was from. It was a finance. Yeah, it was a finance Art class. Merkel. Art Merkel, that's his name. It was Great a, name, by the way. Yeah, yes, it's a very old school name. Yes, it is. Um, Art Merkel, and that's kind of the way he talked to yes. it. <laughs> he was an advocate of using the envelope system. Yep, he taught our class. It was it a was finance an class. Um, it was in strategies for student success, wasn't it? No, no, no. it was in uh, personal church finance. Oh yeah. And he talked about how he has a uh, like a organizer under his bed with envelopes in it, and whenever he gets his paycheck, he cashes it, gets the cash, and puts the cash into the envelopes, and that's his budget. So mm-hmm. he has a certain amount that he would put in every envelope. And he said, if there's not money in the envelope, you can't spend it. Yep. So, you know, if you want to go out to the movies, if you don't, if there's no money in that envelope, you just can't do it. If you want to go out to eat and there's no money in that envelope, you can't do it. If you want to buy a new car and there's not money in the envelope, you can't do it. And we all kind of chuckled at that one. And he said, no, I have paid cash. For every car I have bought since I was, I think he said like 25, and mm-hmm. he was in his 60s at that point, or yep. 70s even. And, and we were just like, what? Yeah, he would paid cash for all of his cars since he was a young man. Um, and that really kind of struck us at that point as to, wow, that's crazy. How can that even be possible that you would save up, you know, $20,000 or fifteen or thirty or 
Because I think he drove, I don't know, like... Oh, Buick, I'm sure. Yeah. It, but it was some nice, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was a nice car. I think, no, I think it was like Lincoln or something. Okay. It was some kind of nice, nice car. We're like, wow, that's nice it's pretty impressive, you know. Car of the... Choice car. Mature of... generation. <laughs> <laughs> Those with many years under their belts. Um, so, but that really was the first... That was actually the first time I'd ever heard of a concept of making a budget with your money. Now, you, on the other hand, completely different story. Um, you've been budgeting and... I've been budgeting since I was a kid with my pennies. It's always been something I've been... I don't know why. I loved it. Just the... I don't know. I'm, I can be very detailed about certain things as a person. And so that just kind of particularly struck a chord with me, I guess. I, I always had businesses as a kid, and my parents always taught us to, you know, you set aside your, probably because I was an entrepreneur even as a kid, you know, you had to <laughs> set aside a portion for your your supplies, and then always you had to give 10% to charity and save a certain percent, and then you could spend the rest. So, I mean, at its basic level, that's budgeting, which mm -hmm. I learned when I was really small. So, and that's, I guess, one of the things I wanted to say at the very top of this is that some people think, oh, well, budgets are for people that have a lot of money. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's true at all. I think, I think it's actually the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Personally. Because when you have less, you have to be more in control of where it's going in order to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, so, budgeting. And I can remember, too, just to tell this little anecdote of a story, um, I can remember when you first sort of laid down the law about, <laughs> I'm going to make a budget, and this is what it's going to be, and we can't spend any money that we don't have. And I remember during that time, you know, that that I was thinking back to Art Merkel and his little talk to her, and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I've heard about this before. This is that uh, envelope thing. Are we going to have envelopes? And you said, no, no, no. It's just going to be on a, a spreadsheet. And um, But every month I'll plug in the money that we make. And if we don't have the money, we can't spend it. And that's going back to the top of the podcast when we had $6 a month for our entertainment mm -hmm. budget. Um, and that, that kind of hurt. You know, I mean, only because... I had been used to throughout college. I mean, we would go out to eat. We would go, you know, make the midnight run to Applebee's or whatever and go get Half something price to eat. Appetizers. Half price appetizers <laughs> after midnight. Um, or go to the movies. I mean, we went to the movies a couple times a week. We of course, the 50 cent movies. Yeah, the 50 cent movies. Um, you can go to a lot of movies on your $6 budget if yeah, they're only that's 50 right. cents. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, when 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 you first told me that, it, it was just like this is not going to be fun. But we had a goal in mind, um, and as we've I, I know we've talked about in the podcast before, you know we we paid off all of my school debt within a year because we weren't spending money on things that we didn't necessarily need that weren't in our budget. Um, so budget really helps you to A, know where you're spending your money, right? Mm -hmm. And B, then to give you a guideline 
to what you're going to spend your money on or what you can spend money on. Right. I think far too many people have no idea where their money's going. They have a general idea of what they're making, although I think a lot of people don't even necessarily have a great idea of how much they're making. Um, And I I think a lot of people have absolutely no idea where their money's going, and they probably would be surprised and or appalled if they Mm -hmm. sat down and kept track of everything they spent over the course of the year and saw how much money went to all the different things i mean because all the little things add up to a big chunk of change if you look at it yearly in particular Mm -hmm. and one thing that i would encourage you to do is to well there's two things um the first thing is that you have to have an attitude of um, kind of an open mind, almost. You have to be willing to be honest. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Because you have to be, and you can't have a bad attitude about it, because that's kind of dumb. You might as well not do it in the first place. But it has to become almost a game, I mm. think. Um it's like anything else. It's like trying to lose weight or trying to yeah. budget your time better. I was better. just going to say, it's like a diet. Um, you, if you want to achieve a specific goal, be that getting out of debt or not incurring debt or just living within your means or saving for a vacation to Hawaii or whatever that is. I mean, you have to... I know so many people that are like, oh yeah, I really would love to go to Hawaii. <laughs> You're right. And that's where it ends. Yeah, that's that's, that's what they say. That's the that's and then the bulk like, of the I'm plan. I'm probably not going to be able to ever get there. Well, yeah, you can if you sit down and you figure out how you can achieve that goal and save ten dollars a month. You know, in so many years, it, I mean, it might take you, and that seems completely ridiculous to them almost. But if you don't start, you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. If you do start, even small, you'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. It might take a while, but. And that was, in you teaching me that lesson, that was kind of eye-opening to me, especially after a while. I mean, I at first it didn't seem, like you said, you know, $10 a month to achieve this huge goal. That seems kind of silly, but but it actually does work. It's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Um, so one thing I would encourage you to do is to have an open mind. The second thing is what Susie just mentioned, is to have a goal. Uh, it's just like dieting. I When people say, you know, oh, I'm fat, I need to lose weight. And then that's the extent of the plan or the goal. I mean, why why do you want to do this? What's the, what's the, the grand uh, motivation behind it? Is it because you want to pay off debt? Okay, well, that's great, but maybe not having such huge goals, you know, okay, yeah. I want to, I want to be debt free. Well, that's good. But, you know, if you have student loans and a house and a car and, you know, kids and everything else, that's huge. So why not pick something small? Why not say, you know, I want to pay off a credit card or I want to pay off, you know, all my credit cards or mm-hmm. my student loan or whatever it might be. Um, because starting with a goal, then you have something to work towards. If it's just, oh, we need to be on a budget, so let's do that. Well, you need a reward. You need something. Like you said, it's a game. Right. You For know. some people. Mm-hmm. 
I don't necessarily need a reward for me. The fun of making up a budget and sticking to it is enough reward. But, you know, I'm kind of crazy like that. So, well, but, but some that, people that, might be like that. That's just something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, and saving money is enough reward for me, but mm-hmm. it might not be for others or not spending money or seeing my bank account grow. Um, well, and you get good enough for me. But you that get very stressed happy. out. Yeah, exactly. You get very stressed out when those accounts and those amounts get yes. low. Yeah. Um, and so seeing those raise, you you get rewards every month because mm-hmm. it's just like every month when we get the mortgage for this place and you say, oh, oh, look, 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 <laughs> <laughs> look, we're down below this, you know, this amount. And if we pay off this much every month for the next, you know, so long, it's going to be zero. And so, so that's, that's kind of your reward. Um, so, okay. We've made the case for budgets. So what should people, how should people start out? What's the the first thing you should do? I would recommend keeping track of everything you spend for a month because you need to have a baseline. And when you say everything, you mean... I mean, absolutely everything. Absolutely I mean, everything. You know, the 50 cent tolls you pay on your way to work or your 99 cent cup of coffee that you get. 99 cents? Where are you buying coffee? Speedway? Oh, Speedway, yeah. Somewhere still sells 99 cent coffee. I'm sure you can get a 32 ounce for 99 cents at Speedway. And it's worth it. Every penny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But keeping track, because you need to have a baseline, I think, of expenses. Because I I think that a lot of people who don't have a budget have absolutely no idea where their money's going. And so, you know, I mean, you know things like you know how much your mortgage is and you know how much in general maybe you're spending on gas every month. But it's all those little things that really get you that a lot of people don't think about. so I think keeping track for a month is good. Um, that gives you a decent baseline, although it can put some things, there are a lot of things that you don't spend money on every month um, that you still need money on throughout the year, you know, like clothing and other maintenance things, tires for your car, oil changes, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff that maybe not, maybe won't come up in the month that you're keeping track. But it gives you a good idea as far as setting up your budget is concerned to have a rough estimate of a lot of those unfixed expenses Mm -hmm. that you have that you incur throughout the month. So, um, giving a, getting an idea of those, and then you can sit down and figure out all of your fixed income. And this is a place where I would never in my budgets, I never put in extra income that you make doing various things here and there, because I think that's kind of like bonus money and that, because it's not, you don't, there's no Something guarantee. That's not steady. There's no guarantee that that's going to be coming in all the time. It's a little different when you're self employed, I think, because there's no guarantee any money's coming in. <laughs> exactly. But we have some clients who are on contract. So we know mm-hmm. X amount of dollars is going to be coming in every month from this number of clients if they pay their bills, <laughs> <laughs> which they do most of the which time. Which also doesn't always happen. But. <clears throat> But anyways, so then figure out your fixed income Mm -hmm. and then start adding in all of those or start subtracting all of those expenses that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't forget things like uh, a good example, tires for your car. Figure out when the last time was you bought them when you're going to need them in the future, how much they're going to cost when you need them in the future. 
and you know say you need you're going to need tires in two years that means you have 24 months and then divide the cost of the tires that you're going to you think they're going to cost by the 24 and then add that into your automobile expenses so that you're saving whatever 25 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month for new tires um because that's in reality that's an expense that you incur every month because you're driving your car it's not an expense that you're necessarily going to spend the money on every month, mm-hmm. but it's an expense you that you're some incurring, and therefore, at some point, you're going to have to pay up. Um, so it's one of those things you need to be detailed about those kinds of things and things, maintenance things on your house. You know, you have appliances and they have a life expectancy, so you need to plan out to have the funds to replace those things when you're in the house or your furnace, you know, if you've had been in a house with a furnace for 10 years and that means you have five or 10 years probably left on your furnace so you need to start saving 30 bucks a month for your furnace so that when you go to replace it it's not this ridiculous expense that you weren't expecting because you know it's you know it's going to happen that's the thing Mm -hmm. you know things have a life expectancy and those are the things that a lot of people forget to add into their monthly budgets because it's not something you're necessarily spending a monthly amount on but you should be. Right. Well, and those are the things, too, that when they happen or when they come along, it can get people into trouble right. financially. So if your furnace, you know, goes kaput and you need to get it replaced and it's $3,000, right. well, where do you, A, where do you come up with $3,000? And B, how are you, you know, how long is it going to take you to pay that off? So if you have to put it on a, a credit right. card or but take it out. it ends up costing you more yeah. in the long run. If you have to put it on a credit card, especially where you're paying 20% interest, you know, you're going to end up, after you pay that off, if you do minimum monthly payments and so on, paying twice as much. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to pay $6,000 for that $3,000 expense that you could have been saving up for all along. Um, and there are, and and that's kind of where, and I think you're probably going to talk about this later on uh, too, but that's where the emergency fund comes in. Right. Um, you want to talk a little bit about our emergency fund or do you want to hang that? Hang on to that for later. Um, we can talk about that. Um, I didn't mean to throw a monkey wrench into your plans, but that's... Let me ask another question, and then we can come mm-hmm. back to the emergency fund. How... Give, give us some examples of categories, like categories that are in our budget, and how detailed do you get within those categories? I think when you're starting out, you need to be... You need to have a balance between general and detail. So it needs to be kind of in between, depending on your personality. If you're a detailed person, make it as detailed as possible. But you don't want to overwhelm yourself by having too many details. But you also don't want it to be too general so that if an account is always in the negative, you don't know why. Mm -hmm. So I have categories like right now. I mean, we've been on a budget for so long and we don't necessarily live by our budget anymore because we've been living by it for so long we don't have to it's kind of become part of our how we spend money after it just becomes habit you just habitually know in your head kind of how much you can spend on different things throughout the year it's Mm -hmm. just one of those things that you learn to live under the constraints that you have Mm -hmm. um so i have housing as one Automotive is another um, general, which in my general, I have groceries, um, miscellaneous, you know, pets, that kind of stuff is all under gen- all the stuff that's not 
part of the other main categories. And then I have entertainment, clothing, um, business. So I have multiple business accounts for all the different businesses that we have. I have reimbursed expenses for businesses. So like for the nonprofit that I work for, I buy supplies and then get reimbursed for it. But I have a category for that in my budget just in case. And there have been times where I don't get reimbursed for something and then that's in the negative. But that helps me remember entering it into my accounting to know that I haven't gotten reimbursed for something. Then I can look up for look it up and, you know, try to figure out what slipped through the cracks. And then I have savings as so savings and then charitable donations. So, I mean, I just have a few basic ones. Mm-hmm. And then I have figured out how much money needs to go in those from the different salaries that we make, the different places we have income. Um, but then I also keep track. I think part of budgeting, too, is keeping track of where you spend your money. So I would highly suggest getting some sort of a program for your computer. I use... Um, account edge because that's what I use for business. I think it's fantastic and it works well for personal as far as well as others. Now it's, I don't know how expensive it is, but I mean, there are, there are tons of different kinds of programs. Is mm-hmm. it, is new cash still around like G N U? Um, they used oh, to be yeah. an open source, open source like yeah. a free program that I knew a lot of people um, who absolutely loved that. I always used Account Edge because I used it for at work, so it just was natural for me to also use that from personal. Um, yeah, New Cash is still around. We'll yeah. put a link to that in the show I've notes. I've heard good things about that. I've never personally used it, but or it's an open. Yeah, but it's an open source program, so you know I'm always a big fan of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we started out, you started us out with a <laughs> Excel, Excel spreadsheet. spreadsheet yeah. yeah. Which you could use if you're on a Mac. You could use Numbers, which I believe is a free program now. Yeah. Um, or you can or use OpenOffice, or you can use. Uh, or you can use the envelope system if you want to. I Google mean, it's Docs, most basic. Yeah. If you really have issues keeping control of things, envelope method probably is the best, at least for a couple months, until you can figure it. And if you're one of those people that likes to spend cash on stuff, that would be a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not something that worked well for our situation. Um, and you also have to remember in your budget, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, things that you don't spend money on all the time. It's kind of like your furnace, but things like vacation. So if you go on a vacation once a year, you need to figure out how much that costs and then put that much money aside every month Mm -hmm. so that you have enough, um, all kinds of things like that. I mean, those are the things that sometimes people don't think about when they sit down and make a budget, Christmas gifts. Um, birthday gifts for people, gift giving in general, charitable donation, donations, that kind of stuff. So, um, and just to go back, I just want to say it one more time because I think that that has been one of the biggest lessons that I've learned. Um, and I'll give you an example. When I was in college and, uh, and Abercrombie and Fitch wasn't so what it is today, um, (laughs) when it was actually like kind of a nice clothing store, um, they, I went in there one day and they had a jacket that was on sale and it was a really nice jacket. In fact, I had it up until a couple of years ago. Um, but the jacket was on sale and I believe it was on sale, you know, from like $170 to like $130. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, you know, you get 40 bucks off. Um, so I signed up for a credit card 
through Abercrombie & Fitch so that I could get this jacket and paid the minimum monthly payment on it for, I don't know, 12 months. Going back and calculating that, I actually ended up paying more than the regular price of the jacket by quite a lot. Yeah. Now, you don't think about that when you make that purchase or when you you do that, but because of the interest that you're paying on that, you're really hosing yourself. And yeah. it's like that with everything. If you, even with emergency purchases, if you have to do that, um, and when I say emergency purchases, I almost gave myself pause there because I'm thinking, oh, well, gee, what if, you know, something happens? Well, if something happens, it's because you don't have a budget. Yeah. And because you didn't think about that thing happening. It's just like with... A lot of emergency purchases aren't really emergency pur- purchases. They're just consequences of living beyond your means for too long mm-hmm. and not being... Um, I don't know if it's, I mean, not being responsible enough to. It's not being proactive. Yeah. It's it's being reactive. Yeah. That's what, you know, the emergency is a reaction to. But it's not like, yeah. And it's not like your furnace is going to last forever or mm-hmm. your car is going to last forever. I mean, you know, unless you're an idiot, you know, eventually these things are going to wear out and break down. It's yeah. the nature of the way it works. Yeah. So. Your car will break down, folks. Yeah. It so happens. So you have to plan <laughs> the maintenance costs and mm-hmm. all of that stuff into your budget. And I think one thing your budget, too, makes you realize is how much you do spend on things that are non-essential. Mm-hmm. Um, on entertainment things, on stopping by Starbucks every once in a while and getting that, you know... False spice latte. I saw somebody Pumpkin post about. Spice, yeah. No, there was false spice. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, somebody posted about that yeah. this past week. Um, you know, all these little things, all these little five dollar, ten dollar, twenty dollar things that you're like, oh, it's just five dollars. You know, ah, it's no big deal. Um, but all those things add up, and all those things become huge chunks of money every month. And then you take that huge chunk of money every month and multiply it by 12. And, you know, it's always funny when you do that exercise with people, um, with their cell phones, you know, uh, the, oh, the new Apple cell phone, you know, it's, it's $99 for one and 199 for the other one. So, gee, I don't know which one to get because it's a hundred dollars more expensive. And you say, okay, how much is your plan a month? You know, what's a hundred dollars. So your plan's a hundred dollars a month times twelve is twelve hundred dollars times two years is twenty four hundred dollars that you're buying into this contract for, and you're worried about an extra hundred dollars for you know a nicer phone I mean in the grand scheme, geez, but it's because they don't have that hundred dollars right then and there right and again, there's nothing wrong with cell phones as long as it's within your budget right um so there you go. That's 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 that. <laughs> um, and I think it's it's kind of anything or everything. It depends on who you are. What kinds of things can lure you away from maintaining or living within your means? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for some people it's one thing. For some people it's another. Um, and that's, I think that's really what a budget 
is. That's what it comes down to is, is living within your means. If you're making X amount of dollars, you can't spend more than X amount right. or you're going to have to pay it back at some point. I mean, if you're putting that on credit card or if you've taken out a, a, a mortgage on your home or, you know, whatever it might be, if you're using, I know that uh, we have a few friends that work in higher education and tell us stories about students that are taking out student loans and then taking the money and going out and buying, you know. A car. Yeah. And not a car because transportation is needed. Would do but, it and then they would go buy TVs and other stuff with their student loan money. Oddly enough, these are the same friends who are now complaining about having to pay back their student loans. But, you know, it's the way the system works. Right. So if you do live beyond your means and that's a i think it's it's interesting because that's a we don't really have a good example of that even you know within the government and everything else i mean everybody else does it so why shouldn't i and that's the other side of the the problem is that because we're such a consumeristic society and all marketing is, you know, you need this to be happy and right. and all of your friends have the new latest iPhone or the new biggest TV or, you know, 170 million channels of cable. Um, we need to have that too so we can be happy too. Mm-hmm. And therefore that makes you or that leads you to, to make bad decisions. Um, to to live beyond mm-hmm. what you're making. I think it allows you to justify it to yourself. Yeah. I think that, you know, and there is a lot of psychology behind marketing and there are some really great books out there that talk about it. And I think learning to see it for what it is really helps um, because then you can fight it a little better um, and maybe... It's a little easier to live more simply when you realize the psychology behind some of the, uh, I mean, because they're good, you know, it's, there's a reason that a lot of people have a hard time with it, with overspending and that kind of thing, because that's what, I mean, it's not, it's not just a, no, you're, I mean, there's a lot of hard psychology behind it. You're being it. I mean, manipulated were, into exactly, doing it. Exactly, and not in very nice ways. And it's right. really kind of, when you read about it and you read about some of the things that happens and some of the studies that they do, it's really kind of aggravating and frustrating. And it's, you wonder how some people sleep at night, really, mm-hmm. when you read about some of the things that happen. And once you can kind of see that that's happening, it makes it a little easier, I think. Um, it's something... I, I hope more and more people start to see, mm-hmm. but, and then learning to limit some of that and just kind of trying to, trying to dissect the things you see in here so that you don't end up getting caught up in some of the craziness that happens as far as consumerism, particularly around holidays and that kind of stuff. I mean, advertising is basically, it's a huge con job is what oh, it yeah. is. Because yep. they're trying to talk you into something that you probably, probably don't, you don't need. need, but you want, yeah. or you maybe don't want, but they convince you that you do want and need it. You know, that's like if you watch, we watched the first season or so of uh, Mad Men, and that's what that show is all yeah. about. If you really take that show for the lesson that it is, yeah. it's that you're being manipulated, you're being duped into buying all this crap that 
is worthless and that's just going to put you into debt. But it's just like we've, we've talked about before in the show, you know, where Michael Pollan points out that um, they couldn't figure out ways, you know, you can't make more people to consume more food. So you just have to make the people that you have consume more food. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with spending money. We, you know, there's there's no more people in the world to spend money, so they just need to figure out how to make you spend money that you don't have. And yeah, they'll extend credit to you to continue to do that. And look where, you know, that's gotten yep. our our country into huge problems with the housing crisis and everything else that's happened recently. Um, so bringing it back down to a local level, um, so you've figured out everything that you spend, you know, get a receipt whenever any store asks, hey, do you want a receipt? Yes, I do. Stick that in your pocket at the end of the night, put that into your spreadsheet. Yeah. And it's something you have to do when you're starting out daily so that you can keep track of all those little things that you forgot about um, or that you might easily forget about, particularly after a week or even the next day. It's hard enough after one day to remember those mm -hmm. kinds of things. So then once you have those totals uh, from your month of keeping track of everything that you spend, A, that'll show you where you're spending your money, and B, you can make decisions about where you should be spending less right. and maybe you should be spending or saving more. Right, and that'll give you a good idea of how much you, if you're spending over what you're pulling in or if you're spending under what you're pulling in. You know, there are all kinds of theories on what your fixed expenses should be, what percentage of your income as far as... Uh, that's concerned, but I think that those are all kind of dumb. It's all about, I think it depends on the person. Some people mm -hmm. can have higher fixed expenses if they're a little more responsible with their extra money. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, and then you essentially subtract what you're spending and see where you come out at the end. And hopefully you have some leftover for, to save for our future things, um, big trips, I don't know, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, and if not, then you've got some work to do as far as paring certain things down. And that's where, too, it's hard as far as if you've only kept track of one month of expenditures. Because it really is kind of a yearly thing. There are a lot of expenses that may only be once a year, like getting your propane tank filled. You know, we just got our propane tank filled and it cost us $800 to get our propane tank filled. You know, that's one of those things that you definitely need to plan for. Over the course of, ours will probably last three years. So over mm -hmm. the course of three or four years, you need to figure out how much you're going to save. Because if not, you could be in a lot of trouble when you, it's the middle of winter and your propane tank goes empty and you don't have $800 to get it filled. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a prime example right there. So, I mean, this is kind of like a setting up a basic budget, but then you really need to keep track of all that stuff and at the end of a year you need to sit down and revisit and adjust and if say you were always low in your automobile automotive category then you clearly need to raise that or if you always have money left over in that one category then you can kind of adjust as needed um as far as that's concerned and i always recommend um and we did this in the beginning any extra money you earn from various things, doing side jobs or whatever, always make that extra money and use that for other things, maybe to increase your emergency fund, savings for a vacation, paying off debt, you know, something like that. Um, 
don't include that in your regular if it's not something you can count on mm-hmm. every year. And keeping track and getting receipts and writing all this stuff down. I mean, I luckily I had an awesome wife that did a lot of this for me and I just had to make sure I made good decisions when purchasing things so I didn't have to, you know, disappoint her. Um but the thing that uh that I was going to say about that is it is hard work. Um yeah, and it takes time. It takes a lot of time, but consider it work that you're making money at because yeah. especially if you're paying off debt, if you're paying off high interest credit cards or if you're paying off your house or your car, I mean those are those are that's money that you're losing. You're paying interest on that money. Mm-hmm. Um and is quick the quicker you can pay that off, the more money that you're saving. You know, you've already committed that you have to pay that. That's what when you put something on a credit card, that's what it is. You're committing that at some point in the future you're gonna pay this plus the the VIG. Um so you know, you, you have to do that. So do it, but get it paid off as quickly as possible. Because then you are in a roundabout way, making money. Right. Um, so it's work that you're being paid for. Um, and it, not only is it work, it is work, but it definitely gives you a peace of mind. When you have a budget, it's like having a roadmap. So you know where you're going and you know how you're going to get there. And you don't have to worry about getting lost around along the way or getting turned around or ending up in a completely different place because you have you have it set out in front of you. Um, and you don't have to worry about being surprised by this or that or the other. That doesn't mean you're not going to break down along the way or you might have to take a detour at some point, but you at least have a roadmap and you know, and you have a good idea of how you want things to go, how things should go. And it's something you kind of revisit along the way and change. And the nice thing is, is that after a couple of years, it does become habitual, um, and then it may not, it's not going to be as much work. I spend a lot less work now because we don't necessarily, I don't sit down every year and come up with a budget. I don't, we've kind of have developed habits, spending habits that worked within our budget. So I don't really have to worry about that. I still keep track of everywhere we spend money, not as detailed as I used to. Um, but and I look at those at the end of the year and try to see where we're spending money. But in general, we're not trying to adjust where we're spending money because we've already been working at that for so long that mm-hmm. we no longer need to. So, I mean, we're in the place where we're reaping the rewards of all the hard work we put in for the last, I mean, we've probably been in this place for five, six years um, from all the work we put in beforehand. But it really does just make your life so much easier and so much less stressful and so much more enjoyable mm-hmm. because you're not worried about where the money's going to come from for this or for that. And you have a cushion and you have an emergency fund. So you know that if something happens, you're fine. And it's nice to be able to not have to worry about depending on someone else um, Mm -hmm. as well. It just makes you a lot more independent and a lot more able to take risks. And I don't know. It's just definitely a good place to be. I definitely encourage everybody to reach that point. Um, I'm thankful that I always had a good example and I have always kind of been that way. I mean, I've always had a savings account and I always put part of my money in savings, even when I was in college. Um, but because of that, I graduated college without any school loans, um, Mm -hmm. because I'd been saving and I 
paid all my money towards that and I didn't overspend and I wasn't buying TVs <laughs> like a lot of my friends. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just. Well, and I'm, I'm thankful that you've taught me all these things. Um, I think I've told the story before on the podcast, but I, I went one time to a, back when I had a motorcycle, I went to a, um, like a motorcycle show, like oh, a yeah. expo yeah. kind of thing at the, um, at the expo center up in Cleveland. And there was this leather jacket there and it was a really good deal for a leather jacket. And I kind of wanted one because of the coolness of a leather jacket on a motorcycle, first of all. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, because of the protection that it, that it provides. Um, and I went back and I saw this leather jacket and I looked at it and I saw that's a pretty good price. So then I, we walked around a little bit more and then I'm, I'm still thinking about this leather jacket and I called you and said, you know, Hey, I found this jacket and I'm thinking about getting it. And you're like, all right, well, whatever you think's best. And okay. <laughs> so, um, I went back and I looked at it again and tried it on again and it looked pretty good and fit well. And so I thought about it and I said, well, let's walk around a little bit more. So we walked around I was there with my buddy and we walked around a little bit more and I said, um, let me go look at it one more time. And he's like, geez, just either buy it or don't. But that's really what you have taught me is the value of money and the value of thinking about decisions, you know, thinking about purchases before you make them. Is it really worth it? Do I really need this? Do I, you know, this equals X amount of hours that I have to work do I have the money to spend on this right now? You know, will this last me for 10 years or or whatever it is? Um, And it used to be that way with big decisions, but now it's that way with even small decisions with either $2 items at the store or just little things to purchase. I just think to myself, is this, is this something I really need? Is this, you know, is this worth it? Um, I mean, I even think that about, you know, just any small, any, any purchase at all. Um, it really becomes a, a question of, is this worth the money? And most of the time the answer is no. Yeah. So most of the time I just don't end up getting it, but I'm happier for it because then we do have money to purchase the things that we do need in the time that we need them, like tires for our car. Um, you know, one of our cars has, expensive tires because they're, you know, certain size and so on and so forth. Um, yep. And they need replaced and they need replaced and we know they're going to need replaced. So we've been saving up for it and we have the money in the bank. So now I don't have to worry about, Oh geez, where's this money going to come from? Do I need to throw it on the credit card and, you know, pay it off in 10 months or whatever? It's just the money's there. And that's the beauty of a budget. That's the, that's the freedom of being under a budget is that, you know, you know what your expenses are, you know how much money you're going to make, mm-hmm. and you know what you have to do in order to meet those expenses and then to get ahead of those expenses mm-hmm. so that, you know, it's just one of those things then that you don't have to worry about. Yep. You know, you think of that. You don't have to worry about money. How crazy would that be for, you know, so many people? Yep. If 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 money was, I think it puts it in its proper place too, because money mm-hmm. is a tool. But there's a lot of weird emotions, and I mean, just weird marketing and psychology and just weirdness around money. 
which makes it really difficult for a lot of people. And I think sitting down and really putting it down on paper and black and white and having numbers and adding and subtracting and making it as cut and dry as I have this many pennies, Mm -hmm. I'm spending X amount of pennies, I need to adjust because I'm either spending more pennies than I have or yay, I'm spending less and now I have a few extra pennies to put towards some other goal that I have. So it kind of brings it back to the place where it needs to be, which is a tool. I mean, money really is very black and white. You have it or you don't have it. You're buying this or you're not buying that. But there's so much other stuff that surrounds it that I think a lot of times people forget and it becomes this weird, because we don't, I think part of it too is because we don't necessarily, we're not always paying cash for things. It's this weird thing that's kind of out there that we never see. And so it's a lot easier to... It's easier to swipe a card through a little machine and then, yay, magically you yeah, get to take this home with you. proven that a lot of people spend less money when they're paying in cash than when they're paying with a debit card or a credit card because they're actually having to hand over, you know, the $60 or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe if you do have a problem, maybe going to a cash system is good. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of cash just because it's easier at the farmer's markets and... Um, for small businesses, they make more money because credit cards cost small businesses a lot more money and the fees and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it, it really helps put money in its place and it helps you kind of realize a little bit more what you're gaining, what things are really costing you. Um, yeah, I highly recommend a budget. I do too. I did too. When I, when we first went onto a budget, I kind of rebuffed the idea. Uh, I was, I don't know. It just, it didn't make sense to me. But in the same way, I had never been on one before. But now that, now that we're at this point, and I can look back on what we've accomplished, um, in part because we've been on a budget and we've been able to make wise decisions. I I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, it's just it's so freeing to to be able to. I don't want to say not worry about money because I mean we do worry about money still, and we right. worry about you know income and and our businesses and our micro businesses and right. and clients and will they pay and all this other stuff. And we're not rich by any. Mm-mm. Any stretch of the imagination. Um, but we've been very responsible with what we have. And as a result, I mean, I honestly believe and I really think charitable giving needs to be in everyone's budget. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how little you're making or how much debt you're in, I think charitable giving is. There's someone always worse off than you. Exactly. And I just think that really helps as far as... um putting money back in the place where it needs to be. Um, My parents always taught me that charitable giving was what you did first. um, And then everything else came afterwards. And so we've always done that. And I really do believe that because it helps. It kind of helps you. It's like that responsibility thing because money and being money is about responsibility and far too many people aren't responsible with it. And then they, they don't want to be responsible with it. They just want to complain about it. Um, but setting aside money and then that act of giving to a charitable organization um, is like that initial responsibility. And it kind of makes you realize that 
everything else you need to be responsible about the rest of the money too that's it's like the first step i think um mm-hmm. i think that's super important as far as getting your money situation under control i think it's one of the most important things you can do to kind of get spending and budgets and money under control and that brings us to our books of the week. Hopefully we covered that enough. And if you have questions about budgets or um, or further discussion things or things that we didn't cover or suggestions that you have, uh, please share those in the comments. Because I, I don't want to keep sort of running around and saying the same things, but in the same way, I mean, that's the funny thing is that it's kind of like you said, you have so many pennies. And you spend so many pennies, and at the end of the month, either you know you have pennies or you don't, right. and you need it's to make really adjustments. Simple it's very essence, simple, but um, but it, there's so much else that goes along with it that it's um, that, but that's what budgeting and I does. Think, yeah, I think budgeting really brings it back. It I mean, and we white. talk about cultivate simple, and that's really setting up a budget is really brings everything back into the right parameters where it needs to be because Mm -hmm. the money does just get weirdly well and it it gets rid of all the justifications too yeah because numbers don't lie that was one of the things i loved about math you know and taking math in high school is that my teacher told me once there's always a right answer you just need to find out what it is right um and that's what a budget is it's black and white numbers and the numbers don't lie it's very simple you can cook the books but you know i mean most people that are you know you're being dishonest but the beauty of ignorance is that you know but you can still tell yourself that yeah it's not happening you can justify it but as long if you're writing it down you know the numbers don't lie i mean you can add incorrectly in order to hopefully make them come out in your favor but you still know you're doing it there's no monopoly card banker in your favor collect two hundred dollars no um we suggested the dave ramsey book uh total money makeover when we did the debt podcast right. um but and we, that's still a good book and the irony yeah. is, is i don't think i've ever read this book but i've always i mean i've been budgeting since i was five years old so i just have never necessarily needed to read the book yeah but i have a multitude of friends who have read this book and who highly recommend this book and have gone through like the financial peace series and all of that and just many of my really close friends absolutely love this and this book has been a huge help for them so i recommend it when people ask um because i have so many good personal recommendations for it but i can't say as far as me reading it personally I should read it because then I can tell people. (laughs) I have personally read this book and I recommend it. (laughs) But yeah. And then another book I recommend or I thought I should mention under the series is um, Practical Skills by Gene Lodgson, who's Mm -hmm. great. Um, And this is just an interesting book because I love Gene's books. Um, He's so... When I mean, it's kind of like what we're talking about. He just cuts through the crap and gets rid of all the superfluous stuff, the... The psychology, the things that people tell you you have to do. Um, And he's very um, irreverent about his attitudes towards things, particularly in corporate, big corporations telling you you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to have everything, healthy chickens and cows and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So 
this book is phenomenal to keep around because it gives it's a great resource and it there's nothing like reading a book like this to just bring you back down to earth when you read other books about so i read so many books about so many different things and when i you know we were talking about chickens earlier so i've probably read 30 books about chickens and keeping chickens and they're all the majority of them are all people who've lived in the system and keep chickens in the system and all say pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love Gene's books because he's like, ah, chickens are easy. Don't believe all that stuff you read in all those books. <laughs> chickens don't need X, Y, and Z in order to be, you know, super healthy. I mean, I just love his attitude about, it's just kind of a breath of fresh air because it's not the commercialized view that you get in, almost every other source that you read because everything is just so saturated in com commercialism and consumerism and you know everything's paid for somehow mm -hmm. and so whoever's paying always ends up affecting the voice that's talking which is one of the reasons i don't do ads on my blog and we don't do ads here because we never want to feel like we're changing our message because of some product some influence paying, yeah that's influencing what we're trying to say which that's what i really love about his books and you know that's probably why he still lives on a small farm mm -hmm. in ohio and still grows all of his own corn for his chickens um and we have had requests from companies to put Monsanto-based ads on the blog, <laughs> believe it or not. Actually, Monsanto contacted me about buying a picture from me once for their magazine. Yeah. And I turned them down. Told them to go pound sand. Yep. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I don't think my picture would really reflect. I forget what. It was a picture about something in the garden, you know, and it was for their magazine that's all about GMO and pesticides, so... It's like, I'm sorry, but this garden really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Gene Lodgson also has a, a really good blog. Uh, he does, The Contrary should, Farmer. Yeah, you should check it's that great. out, too. Um, he really is a breath of fresh air, I think, in mm -hmm. this kind of a society. I just love how matter-of-fact and how he's just... He tells it like it is, and he's not... Um, he's just not corrupted by yep. a lot of different things. I really like that about him. So I thought that would be a good book for this. I mean, the I just love reading through that book. Every, every now and then I just, when I've been reading so many other books, I just pull out his book and I just love his attitude and, and everything. And finally, uh, a book that has nothing to do with money whatsoever, but a book that I'm enjoying right now <laughs> is uh, the Lord of the Rings audiobooks. The Lord of the Rings are my favorite series of books. I read them about once a year. Um, and sometimes go crazy and read all the books around them, the the children of Hurin and the Cimmerillion and the, just all the different ones that surround it, The Hobbit, of course. Um, if you've ever read The Lord of the Rings and, and you do enjoy it, then I would highly recommend the audiobooks. And there's, you might have to do a bit of research, but I did find, um, because I got the audiobooks from the library, and the reason was it was on a recommendation from... Uh, from the guy that wrote um, uh, Ender's Game, uh, which I just listened mm. to uh, five or six books and on audiobook of the uh, Ender series, and um, he said that one of his favorite authors was Tolkien, and one of his favorite ways to 
read the books was actually to listen to the audiobooks. Um, but he recommended a specific version of the audiobooks. And Rob Inglis is the narrator. And specifically, it's the 1990 version. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a... Uh, we did find, or I found a copy on Amazon of the 1990 version. But the rest of them are kind of dramatized and they're a little bit cheesy and yeah. um but this one is just him reading and good english you know accent good reader very good pacing and he even does really well with with all the different voices um you know audiobook readers sometimes you know the the women's voices they get uh, a little bit higher like and gary so on. Sinise. yeah yeah gary sinise and of mice and men uh, uh hilarious absolutely but, hilarious um, great uh Great entertainment while on a road trip sometime. Yeah. Highly recommended for those of you who listen to audiobooks on road trips. But I uh I ended up getting this um the the Lord of the Rings, the the Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King from the library. And luckily my library did have the nineteen ninety version um with oh, Rob Inglis uh narrating them. And it he is just just excellent. And the thing that I like about listening to the audiobook versions, especially with him, is that he, um, if you've ever read The Lord of the Rings, there are a ton of songs. Um, Tolkien was a linguist, and so he just loved language and um, how it, you know, worked within different languages and words and how they tied together. And he's just a really interesting character. Um, but a lot of the songs uh, Rob sings. And it's just really, um, it makes you realize the content that's in there. Because when you're reading mm-hmm. them, it's kind of... Yeah, uh, to skip over the songs. Yeah, a little long. Um, but when hearing them, and hearing them the way he sings them, because he sings them perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the dwarf songs, he kind of, they have a rhythm to them and a pounding to them. And, and, and you know, and so they have this like rhythmic mm-hmm. thing, the way you would, you would think of the dwarves and so on. But I highly recommend that. Um, absolutely great. And I actually think you can get that version from Audible if you're an Audible member. Um, so check those out. Uh, that, oh, and I want to mention... Oh. Loved reading everybody's comments about their jobs. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Making arrows and working in a factory. Jennifer, since she didn't do so well her first year of college. <laughs> yeah, her dad took her into the yeah. factory. And so those are really great. Taught her a lesson. Yeah, <laughs> go back those. and read the, the comments from last week from those the Get a Job. Funny. I like those. And we had a couple people also make little comments about how we had the get a job podcast and then a picture of me curling which was kind of funny um which starts this week i'm going to a couple skills clinics this week and next monday is my first day of curling curling on the league i hope i next week is your first game yeah wow yeah next monday do i have to go to all these games no good i think they're called matches matches (laughs) <laughs> spiels spiels i have to go to all these spiels i'll give you a spiel all right until next week cultivate simple with a budget i'd rather be a farmer i'd rather work the land i'd rather see the mountainside I'd rather see your hand 
I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now Somehow it all depends If I could fly See my hometown. I'd rather hold my wife. I'd rather never question things. That's the story of my life. I'd rather not be crying. I'd rather just be whole. Rather brave the cleansing fire I'd rather feed my soul If I could I'm crying out to you I'm ready to be finished here I'm ready for this season to If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the trees And go to Face the longing. Whoa. 